All right, we're going to start this morning, and I want to start by asking you this question. Here's the question. Uh, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? And when I say an issue, I mean if, it wasn't, if you weren't tight, uh, you know, like strapped financially. What, what would you do if you didn't struggle to have money? If you had all the money in the world, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? Would you adopt? Would you... Um, fund a mission? Would you give to charities? Would you start a business? Um, what, what would you do? Would you be more generous with the money that you have? Would you go on an extravagant vacation? What would you do if you had money and it wasn't an issue? Well, the reality is for most Americans, it is an issue. Money is an issue. It's an issue that keeps us strapped from doing what we want to do. And it's an issue that will continuously keep us strapped if we don't learn ways of how to manage our money. And so we're in week number two of a series called Get Smart. Everybody say, Get Smart. Matter of fact, uh, let me help you out here. Look at your neighbor, the person sitting next to you, and tell them just get smart. It's time, it's time to get... I, I had a lot of fun with that last week, and I just wanted to cause more marital problems this week, so... Looking at your spouse and saying, get smart. And what we're doing in this series is we're, we're learning how to get smart, how to get wisdom, and apply wisdom to some key areas of our lives. The areas that seem to cause us a lot of stress and frustration. And how many realize finances is one of those areas? It's one of those areas that causes us a lot of stress. How in the world are we going to do this? How are we going to make ends meet? What's going on, honey? You need to work more. I know you're working 85 hours a week, but can you work another 10 this week? Because we really need some more money. It creates a lot of stress. And so what we want to do is we want to learn how to get smarter with our money. Well, pastor, I just don't think that, that we should talk about money in church. Well, let me read to you a couple of statistics to tell you why I think that we should talk about money in church. One statistic says this, that 80% of Americans, 80%, and this is from 2017, it's probably gone up a little bit, 80% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which means that if you don't get paid this week, you're in deep trouble because you are so dependent on that next check. Another poll said this in 2017, this is a USA Today poll, it says that the average American household debt is $137,000. Now, how many realize that we need, we need to talk about money? And, and if it's not being talked about in the church, where in the world are we going to learn about money? But fortunately for us, the Bible has a lot to say about money and how to manage it. I am so thankful for the practical teaching of the Word of God. I'm so thankful that we don't have some distant God who just says, okay, well, just, just come to me you know, when you need some health. Um, so, some health or come to me when you, you, know, you want to pray over someone else. But he's a practical God who has all the wisdom in the world concerning all areas of our lives, including money. And there are some, some key principles that are found in the Bible that if we will apply those to our lives and walk those out, we can experience, please hear me, we can experience financial Freedom, which I think all of us want to experience. So let's get smart 
in our finances. I want you to go with me this morning to the book of Joshua, chapter number 1, verse number 8. I know this is a teaching on Proverbs, but I want to start with, with Joshua, and we'll get to Proverbs in about 45 minutes, so bear with me. I'm just kidding, if those of you who are new. Um, Joshua, chapter 1, verse number 8. God is speaking to Joshua here, and I want you to watch this closely. He says this. He says, This book of the law, or you could say the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. That word meditate is not a bad word. I know when we hear the word meditate, we think of some you know, cult or satanic pose of just some, you know, just somebody. But meditate just simply means to, to dwell on something, to think about it, to, to, you know, to play it out in your mind. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now look at this next part. Please do not tune me out. Watch this. For then, everybody say then. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. I want you to see what God is saying here. He's saying that if you want to be prosperous... And if you want to be successful, then meditate on my word and do what it says. That's what he's saying. Now, notice that this verse does not say that God will make you prosperous. It does not say that God will make you successful. It says you, everybody say you, you. that you will make your way prosperous and then you will have Success. I'm going to get your attention when I say this, I know, but God is not going to make you prosperous and successful. But you can make yourself prosperous and successful by obeying what God has laid out in His Word. I, I know that I'm getting some funny looks. Did you know that God does not make you give anything? I've, I've always, this is kind of a, a running saying, but I've said it several times. If God made you give, or if God made you do everything, that then a while ago when the offering baskets came by, money would have been flying out of your wallet into the offering plate because God was going to make you do that. But God doesn't make us give. God doesn't make us prosperous and successful. However, if we will obey what He's laid out for us in His Word... Through our obedience to His Word, we can make our ways prosperous and successful. So what we're going to do over the course of the next few moments is I want to look at some financial principles that God has laid out in His Word. And before we do that, uh, there's a couple things that I want you to know. Number one, we've already taken the offering. And if you've been coming to church for any length of time and in, in, in any time that I've ever taught on finances, you are very aware of what I'm about to say. Anytime that I feel that God leads me to talk about finances, I always make sure that we take the offering before I ever speak. And the reason I do that is because I never want anyone to feel like the reason I'm teaching on this is because we're going to have our ushers come up at the end of service and we're going to manipulate you and make you feel guilty so that you will give. I know there are preachers that will do that. I am not one of them. Okay? So take a deep breath. Everybody... Just take a deep breath. We've already taken the offering, thank God. All right, so just relax. But the second reason that, or second thing that I want you to know is that I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to get something for you. Okay, I want to see God's blessing on 
your life. And God wants to bless you in all areas, including the area of finances. So remember, the goal behind this teaching and the goal behind this entire series is so that we will get smart. Everybody say, get smart. In every area of our life, especially those key areas that cause us the most stress and frustration. So that we can get smart in our finances. So let me talk to you this morning. I want to give you five biblical principles for financial success. Five biblical principles for financial success. Now this list is not exhaustive. Obviously the Bible talks about more principles regarding finances than what I'm going to give you. There, there are a lot of them. Uh, one of them that we're not going to cover is, is don't be a cosigner. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a principle that talks, that's talked about in the Word of God, talking about saves and invest. We're not going to talk about those this morning. But there are five principles that I want to show you uh, that the Bible has to say for financial success. And here's the first one. Number one is tithing. Everybody say tithing. Tithing is simply the practice of giving 10% of your income to God. 10% of your income to God. Deuteronomy chapter number 14, verses 22 through 23. These are commands that God was giving the Israelites through the prophet Moses. So these are commands that he wanted them to. To follow, and he says this, and starting at verse number 22, he says, You must set aside a tithe of your crops. And then he explains what that is one tenth of all the crops that you harvest each year. Bring this tithe, in other words, the 10% of, of what you've earned, the, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes, 10% of your grain, your new wine, your olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. In other words, all of your increase, this applies. And then he says in verse number 23, doing this, this is very important, doing what? Bringing your tithe. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. I can make sense of that, but there's a better translation. It's the, it's the Living Bible translation, verse 23, that really brings this point home. I want to show you this. Verse 23 in the Living Bible says this, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's the purpose of it. People say, well, you know, I get all of that goes to the pastor. And this is funny. I never will forget when we, when we started the church, our neighbor, bless his heart, he uh, he was he's a young boy, and when he heard about me starting a church, he said, man, you're going to be really taken care of financially because you get to keep all of that offering, don't you? I'm like, no, that's not how this works. But in his mind, that was the perception. And so when I talk about tithing, as I told you a while ago, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to get something for you. This is a, this is a way that, that tithing, this principle has been set up so that you can always put God first in your life. If you want God's blessings on your finances, then you have to put Him first in your finances. And the only way you can do that is through tithing. That's the only way. Well, Pastor, what, what about giving offerings? Well, that's great that you're giving offerings, but did you know you can give and not put God first in the area of your finances? But you cannot tithe without putting God first in your finances. Because tithing is that first. When I get paid, that first 10%, that's God's. That's how I keep Him first 
in the area of my finances. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. It says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth. This is your, this is your income, your, your increase. With the first fruits of all your crops. First fruits are the, the very first 10%. That first harvest, this first part, this is going to the Lord. I'm going to honor Him with this. Then, everybody say then. This is one of those if-then conditional statements. God is saying, if you'll do this, here's what I'll do for you. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. In, in other words, the key to prosperity and success is putting God first. And, and if you say that you want God to be first in your life, but yet He's last in your budget, there's a contradiction. Now, I know, listen, I, I've already prepared myself. I have taught on this so many times, and, and it's, it's difficult because people will, I mean, they'll just shut down on you, just like they're, you're, you guys are doing right now. But, but I'm not going to back down from this. I make no apologies for talking about this because this is in the Word of God, and it works, and this is how God blesses us. So once again, tithing teaches me to always put God first. Every week when I get paid, the very first 10% of my check goes to God. And I know that you know, people argue sometimes, well, does that, is that tithing off the gross or is that 10% off the net? Well, you do what you want. I tithe off the gross because I want God's blessing over all of it. That's, just, that's, that's my opinion. But just put God first. I want God's blessings on my finances. So I put him first in my finances. Let me show you another promise concerning tithing. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole, what? Tithe. I think that's funny. The whole 10%. Bring it all. Don't. Anyway. Bring the whole 10% into the storehouse. This would have been like, like church. That there may be food in my house so that it can be ran right, so it can be taken care of. My work can go on. And then I love this. This is the only place in Scripture where you're going to see the Lord test me in this area. He says, test me in this. In what? Tithing, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I, we, like, we like the second half of that, right? God, I know that your word says that you're going to open up the store, the windows of heaven and you're going to pour out so much blessing on me that I'm not even going to be able to contain it. Yes, it does say that. But there's a then right before that. Just see if I want to do this and see if I want to do this and I will do that. God is saying here, you support my work and I'll support the work of your hands. I, I know that tithing is one of those things and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't always done it. Uh, we didn't start doing it until, um, well, it was right before we got married. So almost 21 years now. But there was a time in my life where I didn't do it because it seemed counterintuitive to financial freedom. It just seemed like, oh, that doesn't make sense. If I want to build wealth, why, why would I give it away? But you know, there's a lot of things in the Word of God that God's like, just, just trust me. I know what I'm doing. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are, are farther. They go farther than your thoughts. I mean, realize He's God and we're not. He's the one that wrote the instruction manual. He knows what it takes so that we can live the abundant life. 
Tithing. Last thing I'm going to say about tithing, and then I'm going to move on, because I know you guys are sweating, and we're going to have to pass out towels here in just a second. Tithing is the foundation. That's why I started with tithing this morning. There are four other points I want to share. But tithing is the foundation of your financial plan. If you want God to bless your finances, you've got to make room for tithing, because that's how you let God into your finances. That's how you open up the door and say, God, I invite you in. Here's how I'm doing it. I'm putting you first through tithing. Another biblical principle that's found in the Bible for financial success is get out of and stay out of debt. Now, we could probably skip over this one because I know that none of us are in debt. But I'm going to go ahead and and, and talk about it because there will be people who watch this online that probably have some debt. So, I'm, I'm being... Humorous there, just bear with me. The shortest path to wealth is being debt-free. Did you know that? It's, it's hard to gain wealth when you're in debt. It's hard to build wealth. It's hard to be generous when you're in debt. Matter of fact, you can't build wealth when you're in debt. But when you don't have payments, just think about that for a moment. When you don't have payments, it's easy to build wealth and increase your generosity, right? Because I don't have any payments. Well, what advice does the Bible give regarding debt? Well, there are several of them. I just want to share with you one this morning. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. You guys all know this, but sometimes it takes um, um, just hearing it again. And, and by the way, speaking of that, um, and my wife can, can attest to this, I can, I can become pretty lax in my financial stewardship. And anytime I feel that God leads me to talk about finances again, when I start studying for it again, man, I come home and she's like terrified because I'm like, okay, we got to stop this. we got to stop this. we got to cut this out because God deals with me. And so I've chewed on this all week. And so it's something that should always be presented to us so that we can stay on track because God wants to bless us so that we're financially free so that we can bless other people. So just keep that in mind as we talk about this. Proverbs 22, verse 7. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant. That word servant is also translated in some translations as slave. The borrower is a slave to the lender. Anytime you have borrowed money, or, and for those of you who aren't picking up on what I'm throwing down here, if you, if you charge something on a credit card, you have just borrowed money. And you have now become a slave to the borrower. That's what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is saying here that when you're in debt, you're enslaved. In other words, someone else controls your money. Does that not just make you mad? I worked hard for that all week. And the moment you get that check, MasterCard's calling, Hey, that part's mine. Visa's saying, that's mine. Chase is saying, that's mine. All of these other places, you know, you name it, whatever your charge cards are, they're calling for your money. That's your money. You've worked hard for that. But they dictate what you're doing with it because you have become enslaved. Debt is a wealth killer. So if you want to build wealth, you've got to get out of and stay out of debt. If you want financial freedom, you got to get out of debt. And, and I love Dave Ramsey videos, man. And I'm going to tell you this here in a minute. I, I would encourage you to go watch some of his stuff. I'm not saying that he's God in the area of finances, but he is very wise. 
Christian financial advisor. But in, his, in, a, in most of his videos, he'll talk about how people will call in and talk about getting out of debt, and he can just hear it in their voice. He'll say, you call me back when you're, when you're really mad about debt. You call me back when you really mean business, because most people aren't serious about getting They like the idea of it, kind of like losing weight. I like the idea of losing weight until I have to eat that first healthy meal, and it's like, ugh, this is disgusting. It takes work. But you've got to get mad if you want to get out of debt. You got to get serious about it. Make some tough decisions. We're getting out of debt. We're going to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the next 15 weeks because we're going to save money and we're going to get out of debt. You got to get serious about it. So, four steps to get out of debt. And four of these come from, from his teachings. Number one, you got to find a way to save money. Now, I know when you first look at this, this sounds like a contradicting statement. Well, Scott, if I could save money, I probably wouldn't be in debt. Or I wouldn't be in debt if I could save money. But no, no, no. You, you've got to get creative. You've got to start finding ways. Right, Every single one of us in this room can find something to cut out to start saving money. Okay. Stop eating out. Stop smoking. Now, this is, not, this is not one of those things, oh, the preacher preached about smoking this way. I need to quit. No, no, no. I'm just saying, yeah, I don't know how, I looked it up this morning, and I, I could be wrong. You smokers could tell me, but please don't, because... You'll stand out like a sore thumb when I say this, but uh, a cigarette pack or a pack of cigarettes is roughly six dollars a pack. If you're if you're a one pack a day smoker, that's twenty almost twenty two hundred dollars a year. If you're a two pack a day smoker, that's forty four hundred dollars a year. You could say four thousand dollars would be good money to save, and you could stop smoking, stop buying those Monster Energy drinks, those four dollar lattes and coffees that you have to have. This is, this is common sense, guys. This is not like some in-depth teaching that you go, whoo, man, that was over my head. This is, this is practical stuff. Cancel your, your, your cable bill. Can't cancel your, your high-speed internet. Do something. I'm talking about if you're serious about getting out of debt, you have to find ways to save money. And there are a lot of things that you're doing right now that you don't have to be doing. I know the devil's going to try to give you justifiable reasons why you need that high-speed internet or why you need that cable, why you need that espresso. Well, if I don't stop and get that espresso, I'm going to be grumpy and I'm not going to feel like working all day long and I won't be productive. I know! <laughs> but can we just trust God for once? Lots of areas that we could... That we could um, uh, critique, or not critique, but adjust to save some money. Start, if, you, if you live miles out of town, start planning how often you're going to go to town and make a list when you go to town. That way you're not going to town, getting everything but that one thing and then having to go back and get it. Be more wise about when you're going to town. You're saving money on fuel. That's the point I'm trying to make there. Find ways to save money. Number two, quit borrowing more money. It's hard to get out of a ditch if you've got a shovel in your hand and you keep digging. You've got, you got to stop borrowing more money, which, which goes with the first one there. If you save up some money and there's, there's something that happens, and you've got to get a new tire, maybe you, you tore your tire up, you don't have to borrow more money because now you've, you've saved some things because you've adjusted your lifestyle. You've saved some things so you can withdraw from savings to pay that and not have to put more money on the credit card. So stop borrowing more money. Just stop. Well, Scott, I just, you know, I need to buy that new outfit or I need that new, you know, 
so-and-so was having a sale, and these, sales are, these shoes are normally $100, and they had them on sale this week for $60, and I, I just had to get them. Just st- stop. You, you don't have to. Your, your, your have-tos and need-tos are messed up. You're getting your, getting your needs confused with your, with your wants. And guess what? Here, let, me, let, me bring, let me bring God into this picture. The Holy Spirit can help you because one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, self-discipline. You need to have a talk with Jesus right there in the middle of the aisle at the store. Oh, dear Jesus, you see these shoes are on sale. Help me, Lord, to refrain from this purchase. Come on, y'all, y'all preach with me. Y'all guys are shutting down. But stop borrowing more money. Uh, number three, if you want to get out of debt, you've got to sell something. Lots of things are lying around right now that you don't need that you could sell. Well, Scott, I might need that one day. Well, you haven't needed it in the last 15 years. Good chance you're not going to need it next week. Besides, if you sell it and you start saving money, there's a good chance that if you really need it down the road, you can go buy another one. <laughs> Stuff in your attic that needs to go. Nudge your, nudge your partner there. Stuff in the storage shed that needs to go. Stuff in your closet that needs to go. You ain't worn it in, in forever. Why is it there? Sell it. Dave Ramsey says, sell so much stuff that your kids get nervous. <laughs> thinking they're next. <laughs> sell something. And number four, if you want to get out of debt, take, take a part-time job. There's a great place to go when you're broke. Work. <laughs> Work. How many realize that if you want to, if you want to get out of, out of debt, you're going to have to, the, the, the inflow has to be more than the outflow. So, if, if, you can't, if, you, if you've got the outflow adjusted to as minimum as you can and, and, and you know, you're just making payments as what you can, that's, that's all you can afford to do, adjust the, the inflow. Take on a part-time job if you need to. You know? Sell some things. As far, I mean, it, there's lots of uh, marketing things that you could probably do to uh, you know, start some sort of at-home business or, I don't know, um, you know, go hang some Christmas lights this year, rake some leaves this fall if you're capable of doing it. There's lots of ways that we can make a little bit of extra money to help us do what? Get out of debt. The Bible has a lot to say about that. Number three, another biblical principle for financial success is to work hard. I, you know, I, at first I was going to, you know, not even talk about this because, I mean, that should be self-explanatory. People know that you need to work hard. But, you know, most people don't understand um, that hard work leads to success. And so I feel like I need to... And there are a ton of scriptures, and specifically Proverbs, that talk about hard work. And it usually, uh, you know, um, puts it in the same verse as laziness. It's like the counter to, to, to laziness. Let me show you a couple. Here's one of them. Proverbs 13, 4 says this, Lazy people want much, but they get little. But those who do what? Those who work hard will what? They're going to prosper. This is one of God's financial principles to success. This, he set this up. I want you to work hard. So whatever your hands find to do, I want you to do it with all your might. Work willingly as working for the Lord. Work hard. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a, there is a, a sense of entitlement in our nation right now that is a disease. People feel entitled to everything, that they should just get something handed to them and not have to work for it. That is not biblical. Keys to success in, in, in the Bible is to work 
hard. Stop expecting things to come easy if you're not working hard. Stop expecting things to change if you're not working hard. Success and prosperity do not come without hard work. I love this quote by Thomas Edison. Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work. Work hard. That's part of God's system to bless you financially. Here's another one. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Lazy people are soon poor. But hard workers get rich. Folks, this is the Bible. Work hard. You may not even like your current place of employment, but work hard. Work hard. When you're faithful in the little things, God will put you over bigger things. Prove your faithfulness in the area where you are right now. Work hard. Everybody say, work hard. Number four, another biblical principle for financial success is to seek counsel. Seek counsel. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says this, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Swallow your pride and get some financial coaching. It's okay. It's okay to ask questions from somebody that, that, that appears to be like a good you know, financial steward. Ask questions. Seek some counsel. It's okay. Obviously, we need help. I mean, 80% of us are living paycheck to paycheck. Right? It's okay. Swallow your pride. If if nothing else, at least go to DaveRamsey.com and read some of his blogs. Listen to some of his podcasts. Watch his show where people call in with questions just like you and I have. Get some help. Get smart. In this area. And I've saved this last one because I want to spend some time here. I want to give you some practical things to take away and go home with this morning. The fifth, or excuse me, yeah, the fifth and final uh, biblical principle for financial success that I want to share with you is to get on a budget. Oh, the B word. <laughs> the B word. That's like cursing. I hate this word. Yeah, I'm going to just tell you, as I was telling you a while ago, you know, I, I haven't tithed my whole life. I have for the last almost 21 years, but uh, the same is true with, with budgeting. I used to, I didn't even know what that was. I know I was pro- more than likely taught that in accounting class at school, more than likely, but I don't remember it, you know, because I had other things on my mind and I cheated off the person next to me, like, and you didn't hear that. But anyway, <laughs> but it hasn't always been something that I've done, is the point I'm trying to make. But within the last I don't know, 10, 12 years, we really got strict about this. If you want to have financial success, the quickest way to reach your financial goals and the quickest way to get out of debt is to get on a budget. To get on a budget. And simply put, a budget is is a plan for your money. That's really all it is. It's making your money behave. Getting on a plan. Let me, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 says this. Good planning, everybody say good planning. And hard work leads to prosperity. Hard work, we just talked about that, leads to prosperity. What else leads to prosperity? Good planning. Shortcuts, in other words, just kind of just letting your money control you or doing whatever that you want, leads to poverty. A budget is, is really, a budget is, is like a financial diet is what it is. You know, when, when, when you go on a, a, a real diet, you're careful about what you, you watch what you eat, you count your calories, you know, you count your, 
your carbs, your, your protein. You, I mean, you're like, you're keeping up with everything. Why? Because you want to lose weight. That's what, a, that's what a budget is. It's the same thing, except it's for finances. You, you start watching where your money goes. You start counting things. You start counting the cost, which the Bible says nobody goes to start. Jesus said this. Nobody's going to go start building a building without counting to see how much uh, it's going to cost. Make sure he's got enough money. That's, that's foolish to do it the other way. So a budget is simply... Uh, giving every dollar a name or finding a place for your money to go before you ever even get the money. It's how you make your money behave. Let, let me give you an example. And this is where I, I wanted to get practical with you. I, I want to put this, this first chart up, if you would, please, Zach, this next slide. This is, this is just an example, okay? I want to help you out. Now, this is not a I don't have time to get really practical with you as far as like financial help, but I, I wanted to kind of give you an idea of what a budget looks like. This is household. Now, this is household. This, if you and your spouse work and, and you both are, are contributing to your income, that's what household income means. Now, this is, this is bring home. So this is after Uncle Sam has gotten his part. Now, I don't, I don't know what, is, what you know, most people make. This is just an example, okay? But let's say that your income, your bring home after taxes is $3,500 a month. Ideally, it would look something like this. Rent or mortgage, 800 bucks. Utilities, 220 Auto, 300 Auto insurance, 150 Health insurance. Tithe, that's, that's off of the gross. I mean, you do whatever you want. Groceries per month. Fuel uh, for your vehicles. You're, say you're putting $180 towards your debt. You're trying to save $50. That's, that's giving every, every dollar a place to go. There's, there's, you see, everything balances out. $3,500. It's all accounted for. So that would be where I was going to be spending the money before it ever got to me. And that way when the money comes, I take $800, I put it there, $220, put it there. That's, that's an example. Here's the problem. Let's go to this next slide. Um, this, is, this is probably reality. This is, this is where we find ourselves in a mess, okay? Um, probably that the... Um, the rent or the mortgage payment is a lot higher than $800, um, which is going to make the utilities go up. Auto is a big one. Um, now, this is combined. You know, if you have two vehicles, this is, this is combined. $700 a month, probably. Auto insurance is obviously going to go up. You've got nicer vehicles having to carry uh, full coverage rather than just liability. The tithing is not there because most people find that the, I can't afford to tithe. And here's why. Because their money is going towards their, their mortgage or it's going towards auto. Uh, groceries are saying, fuels are saying, they're putting the minimum on their credit card and not saving any. And it's $3,500. This, this is where most people are. Once again, this is just an example. You can, you can kind of ignore the numbers, more look at the percentage uh, to, the, to the income brought in, the percentage of where things are going. Uh, most people make big boo-boos with number one, rent and mortgage, and number two, the auto. That's where most people's money are, is going. Um, rule of thumb, and I haven't always done this, okay? Dave Ramsey suggests that no more than one-fourth or 25% of your take-home uh, should be going to, to your rent or your mortgage. Um, and that's on a, if it's a mortgage, that's on a 15-year fixed rate, which means that let's say that you brought in $4,000 a month, 25% of that would be $1,000. That, According to financial advisors, the most you should spend on your house payment or rent would be $1,000. 25% of your bring home, okay? You start figuring that up. I know some of you already running numbers in your head. You're probably 
realizing that you're probably beyond that 25%. I'm not saying go home and sell your home. I'm just saying here's where most people's money is going. All right. Uh, the next one, the, a big one, is, is the auto. People, I mean, I, I'm here to tell you, any, almost anyone can qualify for some sort of loan these days. Car play, they're going to figure out a way. Oh, no credit, no problem, man. We'll figure out how to get you in here. That, that's what they're designed to do. And so just because someone drives a, a nice vehicle, I know that especially young people, your tendency is to look at them and think, man, they must have a lot of money. No. More than likely, they're really broke. They're pretenders. And the Bible talks about people who pretend to be rich and have nothing. They're, it's false prosperity. They, they have a $600 car payment, but they can't afford to, to give to the kingdom of God. Rule of thumb, this is according to Dave Ramsey, all engine-powered vehicles, if you own a car, a truck, a boat, a four-wheeler, motorcycles, sea-doos, anything that has an engine on it, the total value of that should not be more than half of your annual household income. Which means if, if together you and your spouse make $50,000 a year, if you're driving a $30,000 vehicle, you have way outdone yourself. I know, I know, I know. Just, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not saying go home and sell your vehicles. But this is, where we, this is where we find ourselves going down the wrong road financially. Some of you older people, you know what I'm talking about. You've been down this road. Okay? We, but us young people, we want the newest and nicest of things, and we'll go out and we'll get a $400 car payment here, a $300 car payment here. Next thing you know, we're paying $700 a month on auto. We, we have no room for it. That's why people say, I can't afford to tithe, because we got too much vehicle. Y'all still with me? Yes. Now, now, these two examples, this is not even, this is not even thorough, okay? There, there are more things that need to be in your budget than just these things right here. How many realize that we've got to pay property taxes? We've got clothes. We, we've got uh, uh, Christmases, birthdays, yeah. Vehicle maintenance, tires. I've told you that you should be putting back at least $30 a month for new tires and, and vehicle expense, uh, oil changes and maintenance. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many people are doing that? We don't think about it. And then all of a sudden, our tires are bald. We're at the shop one day, and they say, hey, you need some new tires. Well, how much is that going to cost me? That's going to cost you six or $700. I don't have that kind of money. See, we just need to get some wisdom about us and realize these tires are eventually going to need to be replaced. Are you all following me? So I need to start putting 8 to $10 a week aside for when those tires need to be replaced. If you own your home, your air conditioner is eventually going to fail. You're going to need a new roof, which is not cheap. You're going to spend $8,000 probably on a new roof, five, dollars $6,000 on a new air unit. And what happens is, if you are not putting money aside, when that hits, you're going to say, Oh my gosh, who has that kind of money? I can tell you who has that kind of money. You're not going to like what I tell you. Wise people. Please forgive me. I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm being serious, guys. These are things we have to say. Christmas comes December 25th every year. Do not be shocked when December 1st gets here and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize Christmas is coming. i got to buy Christmas presents. 
You can be putting money. That's the point. Start saving money. Putting things aside. Property taxes. They're going to get you every single year. Guys, we got to get wise. My point is you have to get on a budget. If you ever want to get out of debt and reach your financial goals, there is no other way. And, and, and young people, man, please, I wish I'd have had this advice when I was your age. I really do. I had no clue. What I would do is if I was out and I wanted to buy something, I'd look at my checkbook balance or my bank. Well, we didn't have online banking back then, but I'd look at my checkbook balance and I would see, oh, man, look, there's like $500 in there. Let me go spend it. When I, what I didn't realize was that $500 should have already had a name on it. This goes to your tires. This goes to this. This goes to this. But no, I would just see a balance and go spend it. And sadly, that's what a lot of adults are still doing today. And then we get hit with a bill that, that comes due or some big expense and we don't have the money. And we continue to dig ourselves more and more. Can somebody tell me? I'm telling the truth this morning. This is, this is good tea. I know it hurts. And I know the majority of us are not on a budget. But it's okay. I haven't always been on a budget. But the good news is, is you can start right now and get on a budget. But you, <laughs> the police are coming. i got to hurry up. <laughs> but you... <laughs> But you got to stop, listen, you got to stop making financial decisions based on where other people are financially. And you got to stop making financial decisions based on what you think other people are going to think about you. People are not impressed with your $50,000 vehicle. They may, oh, I love that truck, but deep down when you drive off, they say, man, what an idiot. I bet his car payment is ridiculous. Bless his heart, his shoes ain't even got any kids, or got kids ain't even got any shoes. <laughs> Shoes aren't having kids either, but anyway, that's, that's really broke. We have to start making financial decisions based on where we are. And I know it hurts because we want to impress people. We want to, you know, we want to have the nicest, but we've got to make some sacrifices right now so we can have those things later. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to take time. It's like dieting. It's like losing weight. It's a slow process. You didn't get this way overnight, and you're not going to get out of this debt overnight. But you can start today, making decisions right now, reworking some things, going home. If you're married, sit down with your spouse and say, okay, what can we do today? I, I know, let's not look at the overall debt and, and figure, you know, get all uh, stressed and rattled over that. But what can we do today to start cutting back a little and start paying a little extra on the debt? Or start putting some money aside. What can we sell? And pray before you do this, especially with your spouse. Because I don't, I don't want people coming in for marital counseling because you sold your wife's you know, greatest hits, I don't know, Journey, greatest hits album. Because, I don't know. Just, I'm just I'm struggling to, for, a, for an illustration there. But, but, but please pray about this and sit down with your spouse. One step at a time, you can do it. Last verse. I'm closing, I promise. Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. If you go home and say, God, help me to get on a budget. I'm, I'm very serious, Lord. I want to get out of debt. I want to be stressed. You're debt-free, so I let less stress. God, I, I mean business. I really do want to do this. And if you'll come up with a plan and, and begin to budget, even though it looks like hard work, if you'll commit that to the Lord, the Bible says that your plans will succeed.
God will, God will come on board and say, you know what? Robert's making some really good decisions. He's using wisdom. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to help him. I, I want to say this, and, and, and please, 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 please do not take this the wrong way. By no means. I never want to come across as, as boastful. By no means. That is, that is not my heart or the intent behind what I'm about to say. I want to start by saying I've made some foolish decisions in my life. Some of you that's come to financial classes before, um, when my wife and I, when we put her business in almost, I don't know, almost like 17 years ago, um, we, had to, we had to buy a lot of stuff on our credit card to fill her, to fill her building. And at one time we had, and, and I hate to even say this, but we had $30,000 on credit card debt. How I many? That's, that's an idiot. That's stupid. Y'all go ahead and say it. Scott, that was stupid. Go ahead. <laughs> Y'all's afraid to say it because now you're making me nervous. Like, how much debt do you guys have? But uh, <laughs> that's it? 30, wow, man, you had a good. Uh, my, my point is this uh, about, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years ago, we, we had to come to Jesus and got really serious about what we were going to do to get out of debt. And uh, we have absolutely no credit card debt today. Our house is paid off. Uh, I paid my house off in 16 years uh, because I got serious about it and found a way to put extra payments toward my house. And listen, I, I do not say this to, to boast by no means. I'm telling you, it can be done. And people say, well, you probably make a lot more than me. No, no I, I probably don't. We don't have a ton. No, we have money, but we don't have a ton of money. But it's not about how, it's what we were doing with it and how we were managing it. We're able to take the vacations that we take because we've learned how to put money aside and save for that. We don't, we don't go off and charge more money to the card and then come back home and figure out how we're going to pay it off the next few months. I'm telling you that this morning because I want you to know God's plan and financial principles, they work. And I want them to work in your life as well. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for the practical teaching of the Word of God. I'm thankful, God, that you have not left us to figure things out on our own. God, you've given us incredible insight, wisdom, and knowledge that comes from you. God, wisdom is you. Jesus is wisdom personified. And so, Father, we need help. We need help, God. We need help regarding our finances. Because, God, we want to ultimately further the kingdom of God. We want to be financially free so that when we see people in need, God, we can meet that need. And they would know that there is a God who loves them and cares about them. God, we want to do more than just pray for people. God, we want to physically help them. And God, we can't do that if we're broke. And Lord, I know that the enemy has caused many people to be bound financially because he makes things look so good and gives them so many reasons as to why they need to make these purchases. So Father, what we ask for today is for the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to guide our financial decision-making. God, we want to be debt-free. We want to be prosperous. Not to make our name great, Lord, but to make your name great. So, Father, I pray for every married couple right now. God, I know this is, this is so hard. God, I've been there. It's so hard, God, for them to even think about adjusting their lifestyle. So, God, I pray that as conversations are had this afternoon or in the coming days, that you would be in the middle of those conversations. Holy Spirit, Govern their hearts. 
Give them the peace of God that passes all understanding. Give them wisdom to know exactly what their next step needs to be. Lord, we love you and we we believe you for great things. We give you praise today in the mighty, holy, awesome name of Jesus. Amen.